This is Ringtones. Welcome to episode seven of the All Boxing No Bullshit podcast. I'm your host and blatant Oscar snub, Jason Langendorf. We've been off for a couple of weeks, maybe even a little bit longer, uh, while I've been out here hustling to keep the lights on at, at Ringtone Studios. But I promise it will have been worth the wait. This was a really good one. We're back with a fantastic guest and a truly brilliant conversation. It's been a little more than three years since I reached out to Steve Cunningham to see if he'd be interested in talking boxing, social issues, and more. He was, and that conversation covered everything from his career as a two-time cruiserweight titleist to the Colin Kaepernick saga to police brutality to his youth growing up in Philadelphia. It was great. I was excited, and it led to nothing. I'd really hope to talk to some other fighters, athletes from other sports, and pull together a real banger of a story, I couldn't get anyone to bite on the pitch. I was bummed. Finally, I decided, fuck it. Let's get this out here one way or another. Steve had been exceptionally gracious with his time and very thoughtful about a range of topics that you're not often going to hear other athletes consider, let alone voice their opinions about. So I transcribed and posted our original interview in three parts as a Q&A on Medium. And you can find those links at our Twitter and Facebook pages at Ringtones Pod. If you're able to read those first before listening here, it'll make for a pretty interesting progression, but it won't jam you up if you read them later. Steve and I covered a lot of the same ground. Uh, not a lot of it, a bit of the same ground. Um, and he had new thoughts on, on everything that we discussed. So um, it's not like you're going to be getting a lot of duplication. Um, it's all interesting. And he had a new perspective on his fighting career, which may be over. Uh, there's more on that in this interview. Um, and he had updates on what's next for him, including his new comic book venture, USS Comics. So grab a snack, hydrate, let the dog out, do what you got to do. Because this episode, I believe, is a ringtone's record length. So strap in. But first... And now we pick up the conversation with Steve Cunningham. I'm too busy, man. Yeah, I am actually. <laughs> no bull. Well, for for a minute, I thought maybe I'd, I'd done something with the uh, the time zone. Remind me where you're at again. Are you you're not in Philly anymore? Are you in Pittsburgh? Yeah, same time zone though. Uh, yeah, just yeah. The other, um, just the west side of Pennsylvania. Okay. Philly, yeah. Philly's the east side. I was just worried maybe you'd you'd moved again or something, and it was something I didn't know about. And I thought, you know what, I should have asked. Yeah, I'm here for a while, man, until we hit the lotto or something. I mean, I appreciate you joining me, man. Um, You know, you you and I spoke at length a few years ago. I don't know if you remember, but you were you were really generous with your time, and I had every intention of writing a story off of it, but I I couldn't quite find a fit publish it just because of so much of what we talked about, um, I thought it was, I thought it was incredible. I just, it was, a, it was a little tough to kind of thread the needle with what I was trying to do. So, so what I've done, of course, is to call you up and bother you again, but, um, but, but I'm also going to post that interview on the web, um, because you have some really great stuff to say, some really interesting insights, and, uh, I want to make sure everybody gets a chance to hear that. All right, that's what's up. That's what's up. All right, so with all that said, um, let's—I guess—start we'll with some of the basics for for those uh, who don't know your whole backstory. Uh, tell us how you got your nickname, uh, USS. Uh, 
started uh I started boxing at <clears throat> the ripe young age of nineteen uh after I joined the United States Navy. Um the base I got stationed on was Norfolk uh, Naval Base, so uh Blue Creek Amphibious Base, which is where the Navy boxing team trained is like I'd say about ten, fifteen minutes away, you know, just to hire a couple X's on the highway. So I would go there and train uh in between, you know, uh work hours when we were um when we were in port and for like a year, man, I trained there and trained there and then um finally hooked up with a trainer, a marine guy named Major Hanson at the time. He was he was a major and he uh he trained me, man. He trained me and, and trained me into my first couple fights. And uh, my but, but my first actual fight was with the light heavyweight champion of the United States Navy, who had about sixty amateur fights, and I ended up beating him. So that was it. That 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 let me know right there, yo, you can do this. That was your first fight. First fight, man. Wow. First, the uh, story behind that was the uh, the Royal Navy was coming to America to bring a boxing team to fight the all Navy boxing team. Now I wasn't even on the all Navy boxing team. I, I wanted to be. But um, I was training in their gym and with them sometimes. And um, the Royal Navy, the British, which is the British Navy, they were coming over to fight and they had nobody for me or the uh, light heavyweight champ of the Navy. So they were like, uh, I come to the gym one day and my trainer's like, Steve, I got you your first fight. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, it's against Israel Spencer. And that's the guy's name. And I was like, you know, I'm, you know, listen, I'm a fighter. I'm crazy too. So I was like, great, you know, like, hey, let's do it. That's what's going on. That's my first fight. And he was like, um, but I had to lie and tell him you had 10 wins with 10 knockouts. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, that's awesome. Let's go. And that <laughs> so was it. You man. didn't have any hesitation about it? You didn't, you didn't think twice? None, man. I, I've been training literally for probably a little over a year. Like just and most of that probably like eight months of that was me going to the gym by myself, pushing, pushing. And I was running. I was doing push-ups. I was lifting weight. I was doing, I was doing, I was like a, in a year-long training camp. So <laughs> I was itching to fight. I didn't but care you, who it was. You also knew, though, I mean, may, I don't know, maybe you didn't, but I mean, most guys start, you know, when they're, they're practically out of diapers, it seems like. And I mean, you probably yeah. knew at the time that, that you didn't have much, practical experience in in the ring compared to other guys that age you know well what what made me a little what made me a lot different was where i grew up you know philadelphia pennsylvania is or was at that time in the 80s um in the 80s and early 90s well right before the crack epidemic you know uh was is and still is a fight city you know a fight town um Fighting, fighting was just a thing to do. It was like a pastime for us, you know. Uh, we had games called um, Five to the Head, you know, where you, you know, you're slapping each other, slap boxing, uh, five to the body, body to body. You stand toe to toe and you just go to the body. Those are our games, <laughs> you know, growing up, <laughs> you know, from, from childhood, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, so, and, and into the teens. So, um then there was boxing gym everywhere in Philly, on every rec center. There's, there's, man, there's probably more boxing gyms in Philly per square mile 
than than there are anywhere in the world. So um, boxing is the city. So growing up in Philly, you know, I, I fought a lot, um, and I'm, I was I was a new kid on the block. I moved around a lot. Um, grew up with uh, up to age nine. I grew up with my mom, and my dad. Then my mom and dad split up, and that's when we started moving around a lot. We were uh, two years in this neighborhood, then two years in that neighborhood. So being a new kid on the block, especially in Philadelphia, you had to like you had to fight. You know, yeah, you, you got jumped, and I did get jumped a bit. And then one day I decided, man, I'm fighting these dudes back, and I ended up kicking their butt. So. <laughs> you know, um, I had that toughness in me already. I had that roughness in me already. And I kind of got with this guy from, he came down from New York. He knew a close friend of mine. He used to box or he was a boxer and he would take us running with him. He would, uh, show us stuff. We'd shadow box with him. We'd train with him, you know, in the, in the basement. Um, we did that for like, man, for like probably like a month or two, you know, it was, it was like our thing to do. Hey man, I'm going to work out with Drasir, you know? So from there, um, I joined the Navy year, a couple years later and my, I like, I wanted to box, you know, like, and it was just, it was in me, you know, I felt it was like in my DNA, man. It just, it was just a part of me. It was just something that kept nagging at me, boxing, you know, every once in a while, man, what about boxing, boxing, you know, and once I got that opportunity, I, I was like, man, let me, let me go ahead and get it in. <laughs> so, so it always felt like a natural progression that you were going that way. Yeah, it totally did. I mean, even, even when I signed up, to join the United States Navy, the recruiter, when you sit down with the recruiter, you fill out like the first few papers and they're like, what's your hobbies? So at the time I stepped into a gym, probably like a once, you know, probably three days out of one week in my entire life to box, to train. And I left that one gym because it was so crowded. The trainer just didn't have time for me. So after probably like four days, I was like, man, I'm out of here, you know? <laughs> so uh, the Navy recruiter was like, what's your hobbies? And I put down, boxing you know um and i was kind of and he asked i think it, he asked it was a question asked and it was kind of lying but you know in hindsight you or or you know man of of the bible you could say i'm speaking those things that aren't as if they were <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah i'm a fighter i'm a boxer but i never fought i haven't even sparred yet i just trained trained and i wrote down their hobby so that's when i found out it was a navy boxing he's like oh man boxing he was like, man, this, the Navy got a boxing team. Maybe you could get on it. And yeah. the way the way the Navy boxing team is, like, if I would have got stationed in Philadelphia or Massachusetts, I wouldn't. Have, there was no access to the Navy boxing team. <laughs> but I got stationed in Norfolk, Virginia, the next base over, miles less than ten miles away from the Navy boxing team. Which, ah, oh, man, I. I'm one of them guys, man. I think things are meant to happen, you know. Sure. So you just caught that. caught a break in that way. Big time, big time. Or well, you kind of you kind of willed it into existence too. Hey, that's yeah, a, well, that, yeah, that's like I, you said, I, you weren't you weren't lying. You just willed it into existence. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I just I just talked about it a lot. I, shoot, there's even one of my old girlfriends. Um, I gave her a picture. I drew an art class because art was my major, and it 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 was a picture of Muhammad Ali fighting. Uh, listing that I drew and painted and okay. but I put Cunningham undisputed <laughs> oh nice and that was that was in the 10th grade man and I, I'm friends with her on um Instagram I'm going to see if her parents still have it because we're pretty cool still so I'm like hey Jen you still got that remember that picture <laughs> <laughs> 
30 years ago. <laughs> so this really is something, I mean, it's something you've been, you thought about for quite some time. And it, like you said, it was in you. Yeah. Yeah, I totally did. And, and, you know, growing up in, uh, in the eighties, that's when they had boxing on ABC, you know, uh, you would see Roberto Duran. I saw, you know, Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard was one of my favorites. And it's funny or, or wild that I got a chance to commentate fights with Sugar Ray Leonard uh, a few years ago, you know, a couple fights. So, and, and to know him, you know, and he knows me by name and face now. And I'm like, yo, this is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? Yeah, was How was crazy. that uh, calling, calling fights with him? Oh man, that was great, man. It's like, it's, uh, it's like, yeah, all right, I got to do my job, but yo, I'm here with sugar freaking Ray Leonard, you know, like, <laughs> unbelievable man like the way the path the path that life takes you on or or can take you on or the choices you make where they can lead you i mean you know like oh i had a rough upcoming you know so this is my life has been like a i won't say a movie it's just been it's been such an adventure of um such an adventure of just stuff happening that made me say wow you know what I'm saying? Like, wow, I did that. Like, wow, I had opportunity. Like, my thing is this. If, if I get an opportunity to do something, I'm going to do it. You know, uh, if 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 I see you doing something and and, and, and I like it, I, my mind is, well, why the hell can't I do it? <laughs> you know, so I'll try it. Sure. You know, so, and, and that's that's basically my life, man, summed up, man. Boxing, uh, drawing, you know, um Solomon dogs in the background. Uh, boxing, drawing, um, music. You know, I do all of these things. You know, I'm doing the comic book, yeah. which I'm finishing up. Hopefully, by the end of this, well, end of February, I'll be already in on deal with publishing to get this thing out. It's been years in the making, but uh, you know, I just man, it's, I'm one of them guys. It's why am I waiting for somebody else to do something I'm going to do? And if you ask my wife, she'll she'll give you some stories about home repairs that haven't got finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my wife, my wife and your wife should probably talk. <laughs> right, right. Because I'll, I'll be like, man, I could do that myself. Now I say that she's like, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about the comics. That's that was something I wanted to ask you about. It's uh, uh, USS Comics. Is that right? USS Comics, man. I'm a, I'm a man. This has been, what is it, 2020? This has been in the making since, really since 20, I'd say 2010 or 2011. Wow. Okay. You know, um, yeah, it's been, it's been about 10 years, man. And I'm, I'm very happy at where I'm at. Even, you know, I'm very happy at where I'm at right now. My, um, let me see. I won, I won the fight, 2009. Um, for the number one spot to get my title back the second time. And I vacationed in Vegas, went to Chris Bird's house, former um, two-time heavyweight champ, Chris Bird. And while I'm out there, I'm like, man, I'm, you know, cause I like to draw heroes, superheroes. And I'm like, man, I might as well, let me draw me. You know, I'm like, hold up. People always tell me, man, you ripped up like a superhero, (laughs) you know? And, And that just clicked like, yo, let me make myself a superhero. And I started drawing me and my art, because I've always drawn as a kid. Art was my major in high school. I was um, actually, instead of going to the Navy, I was scheduled or planning on going to the um, Art Institute 
of either New York or Philadelphia, but uh, that didn't work out. <laughs> so so um, I ended up joining the Navy because I knew I had to get out of Philadelphia because of, you know, I, I used to run the streets. And I'm like, man, I can't be an 18, 19-year-old um, youth in Philly, man, working at McDonald's. Like, this, And I knew what type of other I know other ways to get bigger money, you know, and I'm just right. like, I, I, I got to get out of here. So that's why I joined the Navy, man. But so I'm drawing and I just was like, yo, man, from, from 2000, yeah, about late 2009, I was just messing around 2010. The idea kept growing and growing. 2011, 2012 was when I really was like, yo, I'm making a comic book. You know, I'm making a comic book. I had, I had invested in, and I an iMac, the big one, uh, invested in this this art program called Manga Studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I basically since 2012, I've I've basically learned how to use this art program to a T. It's like I I because my original one of my plans for boxing was to become world champion. Um, I didn't go to college out of out of the Navy or anything. But I, I pushed, every, I put everything into the boxing basket. You know, I put all my eggs in that basket. And I was like, once I become champ, then I'll, I'll have the money. And then I'll just go to art college and just get the degree just to have it. You know, and uh, that that didn't work because once I once I got, you know, into boxing and became a champ, that, man, I just wanted more, you know. So it wasn't no time for anything else. It's time to train. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Any extra time was going to running, swimming, lifting weights, and boxing. So um, over the years, I YouTube, man, shout out to YouTube and all the people who put up tutorials. I learned this program <laughs> from the YouTube tutorials, man. Everything I need in order to make the comic look official. So um, from 2012, 13, 14, 15, I'm I'm coming up with my story and I, and I wasn't doing it full time, you know. I'm 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 dabbling here a couple times a week. There there just wasn't no urgency on me. But then I got to a point in about 2016 where I was like, "Yo, nah, man, let's really get this done because my art changed. It got much better." And I'm like, "Yo, this is dope." And then other people I was showing pics to, I started sharing things on social media. They're like, "Yo, that's fire." So, um I'm like, yo, this could be something. So I just started, it started growing from there. The story grew, the story got more in depth because before it was just going to be just me as a, as a hero fighting dudes that look like the guys that I fought, you know? But then it went from that to, I fought Mansoor in 2014. Um, years later, he's fighting Travis Kaufman in 2000, I believe 16 or 17. And I was like, yo, how about I do a story of me and Mansoor, you know, of our fight, like turn, turn our competitive fight into like a comic book and, and then do like my origin story after, because I was trying to piggyback my idea at the time, which is wild now or out of the picture. But at the time it was, it was like four months before they fought because me and Travis Kaufman are pretty, we, we train, we have the same trainer, brother Nazim. And he's like, man, I'm fighting Mansoor. So I'm like, well, you know what? Let me make this comic book of me and Mansoor 
so I can generate more interest in it because he's fighting in this big fight. And okay. that turned, man, we're about a year and a year and a half away from that, and I'm just finishing. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it, you know, man, I mean, but I've I've got social media, people are loving the pics. I'm I'm really I'm at I'm down to like the last two pages, and then I just got to put in the uh, words, which will take probably about 20 days at the most. That's what I'm saying. Late February, I'm ready to be looking for publishing, and we'll see how fast it goes from there. But this, uh, and then what I got, also you got your done, story, I, you got your story all laid out for it, like your yes, your I've got the story laid out. I've got a whole universe. <laughs> I've got a whole USS Comics universe. I've 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 already talked to a few champions. I said Danny Garcia, I'm pretty close with Danny. I'm like, yo, Danny, let me let me turn you into a superhero. You know, make a like a 15 page comic for you, you know, and we can put it out, sell it to the fans, we'll split it, you know. And uh, he's like, cool, go for it. Uh, Julian Williams, okay. also uh, Austin Trout, also. Um, and um, I've got other fighters that I'm drawing characters for that are going to be in this huge story that I have. You know, I, I've got this whole universe. So um, these, I'm, my goal with USS Comics is to turn prominent fighters into superheroes, make comic books for them. Okay. So and, and this, so this my, isn't just one comic; it's a series, nah, nah, series right? Yeah, yeah. I want, I want, I want this to be. I want this to be a company, you know, um, and, and, and it's not just boxing, um, boxing comic books. Cause I've got other stories, horror stories. I've got a horror, I've got a horror rap story. That's going to be stupid dope. <laughs> I just gotta, I just gotta get the time to finish these stories. You know, once I get this first one out of the way, this is the one that's taking so long. These next ones are going to be so fast. Boom, boom, boom. But cause I have a, I have a system now. Okay. But uh, that's that's you know that's a, that's it for me right there. The comics, man, I just love that. Do you have anybody else working for you or with you, or is this all just like a one man one man show? Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's why it's taking so long because it's just me right now. But I, I do know a few guys in the art that I, there's one guy that I was kind of teaming up with. But for this for this first first couple, I'm gonna do them myself because it's 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 my idea, you know, and it's like I I can only see it. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, also, I, as long as it took you to, to reach this point, it, it's probably going to yeah. feel a lot more fulfilling that you brought it past the finish line, you know, on your own. Oh yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So I, I had a guy draw, he, you know, he was seeing us stuff and he was like, man, well, he's like in the boxing too, a boxing writer. So I'm like, man, that'd be cool. You know, help me with the story, this and that. And he's like, um, uh, you know, let me draw you here. I drew, I drew your character, you know, and, I didn't like it at all. I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, that's not the type of. I, I was like, I see, I'm gonna have to do all this myself. <laughs> well, hey, nobody, it's no, nobody does it like you do it. You know what I mean? Like, like, right, exactly. You got when you got a creative idea, it's you know, you, you got you got to own it. Exactly, and that's that's basically it. So I'm gonna um I'm gonna form, you know, uh, I'm gonna get everything like done properly. Uh, incorporate the name. I'm gonna do all of this, man. I want to. I want USS Comics to. I'm put. I have stories, man, that you'd be like, wow, like, well, yo, that's crazy. And I want to make them graphic novels, regular comic books. So, you know, I, I, I've got a dream. I'm on my Martin Luther King. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, that's I mean that's great. That's something that I don't I can't think of any other boxer who's who's been a, a comics artist. How how did you uh how did you come to that? I mean, a lot of us I know I did, you know, you grow up reading comics, but obviously that was a bigger yeah. deal for you than just the average kid. Yeah, no, no, I I I collected comics when I was uh when I was a teen. Um just you know, I had my life. I loved the comic book world. We used to draw our own Transformer characters when we were kids, and my mom was at work. Uh, so you know that I my it's all basically my imagination. I have a I have a very vivid, wild imagination, you know. And it's like, like I told my wife, man, I've I, I've watched so many movies, so many sci-fi is my favorite. Like I don't go to movies un, unless it's for a sci-fi movie, you know. I'm like, why am I going to the movies to see a comedy or a romantic? something i'm like you you know i'm like babe the movies is for action and sci-fi aliens and spaceships and you know so uh there's stuff that there's stories that i want to see i'm like man they should make a movie about this and and that's a, that's where a couple of my comic books come from that i'm going to make after these these boxing ones so like sh- uh, show me idea, something show me something i've never seen before basically oh uh, yeah yeah exactly right exactly like like uh, I have a story. This is a brief one, uh, a brief overview of it. There's, I don't know if you know anything about um, um, what is it called? It's called Devil's Punch Bowl. You ever heard of that? Devil's Punch Bowl. Yeah. Tell tell me about it. It sounds familiar. Devil's Punch Bowl, Mississippi. Um, Civil War. The Civil War when the slaves were were freed. Okay. After the Civil War, the Union won. The Union soldiers walled in all of, you know all of these slaves down in Mississippi. They were they were they said they were like they outnumbered you know the the white citizens. Okay. So they were like, man, we can't you know even the white citizens down there were like, yo, y'all can't just leave let these slaves run free. They're gonna take our jobs. They're gonna they're gonna overrun us. So basically, the the Union soldiers with the Confederates um, basically walled in. 20,000, almost 20,000 slaves into a, an encampment, a huge encampment, but they didn't feed them. They didn't, uh, you know, do anything. Disease ran rampant and they died. Um, years later, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So years later, I mean, hundreds of years later today in that spot, it's right off of the Mississippi river in that spot grows peach trees. Like, and they're like, these are the, fattest peaches you'll ever freaking get and the lady was doing an interview down there and she was eating the peaches and the lady she was talking to that was a historian was like well we don't eat those peaches (laughs) and she's like why and she's like because we know what the fertilizer is you know because the bodies all these dead slaves so i have this i have this idea of turning that into a horror story okay you know I don't want to give up too much, but bringing, you know, some of these, these people are returning, dealing with the peaches and this and that. So I have a crazy, it's like a historical, it's like a touch on reality, but I want to throw in some science fiction horror with it, you know? Sure. And, you know, so I, man, I can't wait. I already got some <laughs> pics drawn. I just can't wait for that one. But that one, I'm waiting for that one because I want to perfect my still, my style and, and just put out some more comics and have, you know, put out some comics before that. And then I'll be like, all right, we're ready for this story. Yeah. I hear you. Like you want to, you want to get your chops down and then 
they're exactly. ready for the, for the big the big one you want to launch yeah well so let me let me ask you because it kind of brings up um some some issues that that we spoke about uh last time um our first conversation we we covered a lot of stuff that was important to you and important to a lot of us um one of them was like the early stages of the colin kaepernick saga he'd first kneel yeah. you know for the national anthem i think it was i think it was only a couple of weeks uh later or excuse me, a few weeks before that it happened when you and I talked, and you had a lot to say about that. Um, and I know it's a pretty broad subject, but what is your general sense of where we are as a country, you know, where we stand on the issues of race and social justice? How, I mean, how have things changed just in the like, say, three years since you and I talked last time? Do you feel like it's better, worse, no different? I'm a, I'll say... I'd use the word worse, but worse, worse the way it's always been. You understand what I mean? Worse I as so. in, worse as in now it's, it's to the top, you know, it's, it's on the crust. It's the crust of, of our reality. Now it's no longer the, the inner pie of America, the hidden It's no longer under the crust. It's, it's on top now. I mean, we've seen, Numerous, numerous times uh, on these social media videos. Thank goodness for social media and for for some of this stuff. Um, these uh, people that are, they're calling the cops on black people for nothing, and you know, uh, black people in the park breathing. They're calling the cops on them, and it's like, why are you doing this? Like, what is wrong? You know, like, can I live? You know, um, sure. you know, stuff like that. All these racial issues. You can blame. Um, you, I mean, you can blame Trump, and a lot of people, a lot of Trump supporters are like, well, he's not racist, but it's like, let's say he's not racist. And this is one thing my wife says all the time. She's like, there are people who say, oh, Trump's not racist, prove it. And it's like, well, he used he used racism to get into the office, you know? He, you know, so that basically, let's say Trump's not racist. The country still is. Nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. That, that hate for a darker skin tone, or, or really in America, it's just anybody that's not Caucasian, you know, um, there's an anger, there's a hate for you. There's a disdain. I'm not saying everyone, but you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's there. It is there. It rears its ugly head. It used to rear its ugly head once in a while. Man, now the ugly head is just out getting sunburned on the neck. <laughs> you know what I mean? It seems like it's there's out. almost been a backlash. Like there's the, the people who had kind of almost been in, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, like been in hiding. The people who had yes. been latent under this, like you said, under the surface. I think yes. they, they felt at some point almost entitled to like, well, we're not going to take this anymore. We want to go back right. to the way things were. Well, the way things exactly. were were pretty shitty for a lot of people. So Exactly. That's where you're and getting a lot of what, attention, it seems. Right. And and to to so-called black Americans, uh any other race, Latino Americans, when you when someone uh when a white American says, Let's make America great again, like you just said, when my thing is I always respond, when was America ever great <laughs> for us, for all of us? You know, when, like, so when, and I, and I, man, I, I type my ass off, man. I be in on Facebook debates all the time. And I'm like, 
I'm like, when were we great again? What? Um, during slavery? Was America great then? After right. slavery, maybe. Jim Crow, maybe. Segregation then. You know, oh, during the prison industrial system era, you know, here in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and now, you know, is was it great? And what are you talking about? Let me know the time it was great for all of us, because I'm with that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we can, if we can pinpoint it, then and, and I, I end up telling people America was never great for uh, for everybody. And the thing is, is so, when you lay it out like that, I mean, it it takes all kinds. You got all all kinds of different people, and everybody's got their own opinions. Right. That's fine. Yeah. But when somebody lays it out like that, I don't, yeah. I don't know how someone can argue with that. When like what you I'll said, what you just said a moment ago. It wasn't great for all of us. Right. I think that's the key. Right. You're right. So so from there, it's like, they still, well, I don't know. It, it, that, what you just said don't mean a damn thing to people. So it, it's like this. Like, for, for the black man in America, black man and woman in America, we've been dealing with this since we've been here. I mean, period. We know how to deal with it. We know how to handle it. What's different now is that a lot of white America, due to social media, are now being able to see that we, when, when you had so-called black Americans saying, yo, they're being racist, or, or this police station, they killing, they locking black people up for nothing, they killing black people, or, or, by, or any type of racial situation where white America never believed this. Oh, y'all just pulling a race car. You're just pulling a race car. Cops don't just shoot you for nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just a race car. And now we've got video. We right. have video. And it's right in front of their faces. So the great thing about that is you have a lot who've been like, yo, wow, damn, damn, they, ain't, they haven't been lying. You know, this, this is some rough itch. America hasn't changed. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or the cops are this and government's that. But you still have those people who are doo 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 Right. I don't see what you're talking about. Well, and that's, I guess that's a strange thing to me. And I I get it. Like you said, I think there are some people who have come around, you see enough of it, you get enough evidence in front of you and you, you, you maybe at least start giving the benefit of the doubt. But I, there's always going to be people who say, well, yeah, you only saw what's on, on the tape. What led up to it? Somebody, there's no way somebody would act like that. There's no way a policeman would, behave this way or, or someone, someone would react right. that way without being prompted. And the fact is, you know, that's not true. That's totally not true. And that, and that's coming from <clears throat> a person who hasn't experienced police brutality, who hasn't experienced police intimidation or, <clears throat> or police just bothering you just because they don't experience that in the hood in Philly. I can tell you a few times when I was world champion, that cops ran up on me and, and uh, some undercover cops just, just drove up on me. I'm leaving the gym. I'm walking back from the YMCA swimming. I remember you, t- I, you, you told me about this. Right. I told you, yeah. And they yeah, just, yeah. you know what I mean? So I'm like, yo, bro, what if, what if I, which I do now, I carry a firearm, but um, back then I didn't. What if I, I had a drew on them? You know, cause it's like you, the way they pulled up on the curve, it's like, yo, I've been stuck up before twice. That's what that looked like, <laughs> you know. So I'm sitting yeah. there like, oh, 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 like what is going on? So well, and then you know then what happens. What happens when you know on the evening news? Oh, Steve, yeah, exactly. Steve Cunningham, uh, exactly. the cruiserweight champion, <laughs> pulled, a, right. pulled a gun on the police. And, right. You know, 
Hailed hey, gunfire, and then and you're going to have a right. lot of people who say, "Oh, well, he should he had no business." He should exactly. He should have. Dude, man. So people, so you have the people who don't experience that type of um, who never experience. Actually, they can't fathom that because the cops are good guys to them. Right. When when they're talking about police from their experience, our experience is the negative side. You know, and or, you know, and and so for them to be like, well, let's see what happened uh, before. No, listen, I I can smell this situation from from here. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what happened from here. You know, and but uh, it's it seems that it comes down do. to perspective and context yep. and what side of the line you're on. Not I don't exactly. mean I don't mean where your opinion lies. I mean, I mean, you you already said yeah. it. Some of it's the color of your skin, but also. Indeed. what you've experienced what what is your perspective and again exactly. i could understand how it might be hard for some people to relate to that but that doesn't mean that it that it doesn't exist either exactly and and we've seen for because there are some black people who oh you know they haven't experienced it and you can live in the hood and and never have a run-in with cops you know you can it's possible <laughs> Oh, but but you can't live in the hood and don't know people who have it. You know, that's impossible. Now, there are some blacks who support the police 100% and you guys need to just get this together. But, well, you know what? Well, how about the numerous cases of police, black policemen who got killed? There was this one situation in New York. Um, guy was a, a police chief, or, or I'm sorry, he was a, a police high-ranking sergeant or something. and the two white cops came up to him and his son. He was in plain clothes and, and roughed his dad up. Hmm. And then afterwards, yo, I'm a cop too. <laughs> you know, it's like, brother, that, you know, when you take that uniform off, you just a black man, you know? You just a black man. When you leave from behind that, behind that uh, bench, judge, your honor, you're just a black man, black woman. There's a situation where the black judge got got messed up and um and I feel sorry for those cops after after they found out that was the judge. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But listen, once you take the uniform off, once you take the name tag off or the or the or the store brand off, yo, you just you still just a black man. Yeah. I don't want to use the N word, but you know, you still just still N word, you know, like Jay Z said in this song. That's the truth. No, I you know what you're saying. Truth. Well, I want to just real quickly, I want to make sure everybody understands you had a lot of stuff to say. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to post our Q and a from a, a few years ago. Um, okay, cool. you elaborated on a lot of that. Um, and it sounds like it, it holds up pretty well just from our conversation just now. So I'm going to point everybody yeah. to that uh, a little bit later, but um, I want to make sure we cover some of the, some of the boxing too. Um, oh yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, so, when you started boxing, um, I mean, yeah. just from, from our conversation, we're talking about how you, you seem to kind of like plunge forward, like, hey, let's go do this. Let's, let's, let's get this done. Rather than, you know, thinking it all out and, and having, did, did you have, did you have goals going into it? Or was it kind of like, hey, let's try this boxing thing and see what happens? Once, once I, once I beat the light heavyweight champ of the Navy, I had goals, you know, it was, it was, well, and in all actuality, it, all I knew was Olympics, being an Olympian. So 
that was the goal, being Olympic, being Olympic. How do I do that? Well, you have to, you have to go to these national tournaments. You have to win those, you know. And so, but I'm like, all right, cool. So my first national tournament I went to, my first two national tournaments I went to, I didn't understand them. You know, I didn't know what was going on. I was just walking into them blind. So my first national tournament was the U.S. national tournament. I go in, I draw the number one light heavyweight in America the first day of the tournament. It's a week-long <laughs> tournament. You fight five days, right? So I draw the number one guy, and we scrap it out. I mean, I thought I beat him, uh, but in hindsight, you know, I understand in their scoring system, he, he beat me. But we was rumbling. And we got to argument afterwards and in the back. I'm like, man, I beat you ass. <laughs> and, uh, you know, years later, I mean, like the next tournament, we became friends because, you know, real recognizes real. That dude yeah. was from Chicago. He was street. I was street. Um, and it was just like, hey, what's up, man? Hey, all right. You know, so. You remember his name? We became. Oh, yeah. Anthony Stewart. Okay. Oh, God, he, was the, he, was, he was the top dude, man. He, he can rumble his butt off. So um, from there, <clears throat> I fought. The next tournament was the National Golden Gloves, and I was I was part of Team Washington D.C. And we get there, and I'm like, "Yo, what's this? What's this tournament?" <laughs> you know, like what they had to tell me, like, "Yo, dude, you fight every day." You know, it's just like the U.S. National. So I'm like, "Oh, all right, man." So I got to that. You tournament didn't know anything and, about like the schedule or the. I didn't know anything about nothing. Okay. I mean, they give you the info. We were there with a coach and a team as a team, twelve man team. So. um they um they basically um you know you basically fight uh Monday through Friday mm. Friday nights the championships if you if you keep winning so I went there man my first fight I dusted off a number I think seven guy in the nation and um everybody was looking at me like yo who's this dude dude from the Navy and I cleaned out another guy number three and then just beating these light heavyweights boom boom boom. And I, I ended up fighting this, this guy in the championships, and I beat him. And um, I became national champ. And I'm like, yo, what the freak? <laughs> you know, like, we did this. So now my goals have changed from just, you know, um, being a, an Olympian to, oh, wait, I got to win these next tournaments to get to be the Olympian. So now my understanding got better. But the goal, like, for me, if I'm doing something, anything that I'm doing, if it's bad, especially even the bad, I'm going, I'm giving a hundred, you know, I'm giving it a hundred thousand percent. I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. I'm one track minded. And that's, that actually was a little, uh, fault of mine in fights, <laughs> you know, cause it's like, Oh man, I want to get him with this right hand. I want to get him with this right hand. And I'm not, I don't, I didn't, sometimes I had to set it up. Uh, I want to get him with uh, and I throw it in the telegraph, you know, and it's okay. like, we got a problem. So I'm, I'm, I had to settle. I had to fix myself in that area and fight, but, or had to. And, but I'm one track minded. If I'm doing something and it's more than one track minded, it's one track minded, locked and loaded, locked in, this is it, you know? So, um, but you maybe had to learn, learn, you know, some patience and exactly, strategy. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but once we, once we did that, like training, once I, once I won that tournament and Yo, training was a life, you know, hey, man, you got to go to work. All right, let me go run first, <laughs> you know. Well, and that, so that probably was, was one of your biggest assets that in, in that sense, being yeah. single-minded, I mean, that's, that's yep. huge because if, if, exactly. you just, 
throw yourself into that. That's such a big part of, you know, being, exactly. being ready, being, being in condition. And yes, that was, and that was one of my main attributes, my condition. And I'm, I just like, I tell people like, listen, if you're not going to do this and you're not going to go all the way in, I can't, I don't understand you. You know, I don't understand you. You know, I, I don't, <laughs> you know, now, you know, I, I train guys. I got a team, my son's fight. Um, they're doing actually doing great. My eight year, my nine year old's number one in the nation. My 17 year old's number four. Um, yeah, I, I saw, have like, I saw that. you've been posting a lot of that on social media. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, if I can't, if I don't see a bit of me in you, me training is going to be rough. <laughs> <laughs> now, do your, rough, your boys, man. your boys have that? Do they have some of that? Oh yeah, indeed, man. My, yeah. uh, my oldest 17, I remember when he was about 13 or 12, I put him in a fight and the kid came in extra heavy and he was actually taller than my son by like a head. And he was like almost like 15 pounds heavier. And that's big at 13, 12. And sure. um, that's a big difference. And um, I knew the kid's dad. You know, we fought, actually fought together on the D.C. team when I, when I went to Nashville. So he was like, look, man, I know when my kid came in too big and a little heavy. But he's like, I mean, they drove from D.C. to Pittsburgh. So I was like, damn, I don't want to be like, nah, you know. And he didn't drove all three hours, you know, and did not get a fight. So I'm like, all right. I said, Steve, we're going to fight this kid. I said, listen, if it get too rough, I'll throw the towel in. Mm. We can always do that. All right. First round, he got out there. He looked good boxing. Second round, the kid figured it out. Oh, I'm bigger than this dude. And he just started walking him down, landing some big shots. And then Steve Jr. comes back to the corner like, yo, my jaw. He's crying, too. He's like, my jaw hurt. So I'm, I feel it. I'm like, well, it ain't broke. So I'm like, listen, you want to – we can throw the towel in, man. Then he looked at the kid in the corner, and then he looked back and was like, "Now nah, we can go ahead and finish out. And I was like, boom. That's the reason why I let him take the fight, because it's like, oh, he got the heart. You know, he's got that heart. He's got that warrior heart that I had. So um, he's got that. I haven't – my 8-year-old hasn't been in that – my 9-year-old hasn't been – he just turned 9, so he keeps saying 8-year-old. And that's, that's Cruz, in, right? Yeah, Cruz. Yeah, he hasn't really been in a tough, tough situation like that. I mean, he did come back to the corner – this last tournament crying because he thought he did wrong. And I'm like, dude, you look freaking great. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the heck is your thought? So that, that threw him off his whole fight to an extent, but it's all good. But So, yeah, if, if I don't see a, a bit of that, uh, at least the heart or the drive, that extra drive where I don't have to tell you to run, you know what I mean? Nobody had right. to tell me to run, swim. Nobody had to tell me to get up, Steve, gay, get up and run. No, nobody had to tell me that. I knew my thing was, I know this is going to make me better. So, you know. Yeah. How bad, how bad do you want it? Basically? Right. That's basically it. So, so I want to ask you just because you, you mentioned a couple of things, just that your interaction with your sons, but yeah. I mean, we, we've got a ton of father, son, trainer, fighter combinations in boxing. And they don't always, they don't always go well. Um, yeah, yeah. But what, what is your, what is your take on, on, or I should say, what is your approach? Because of what you're telling me is you're saying, hey, I'm, it's up to you. Now, I mean, again, it's an age thing a little bit too, but you said, hey, do you want to keep fighting or not? Now, a lot of, right. a lot of father son, you know, situations, there's, there's, different uh tensions and sometimes the fathers are trying to live through their sons and all that 
So you've already right, done right. it. You've done your thing. Is yeah. That, is that yeah. an advantage maybe for you as a trainer? You know what? That, that's an advantage. And I'm trying to live. I won't call it live through them. I'm, it's like I'm trying to prove something to them. You know what I mean? Instead of live through them, I'm trying to prove something to them. Um, like you said, I've already done it. Yes, I've already done it. Um, but I feel that USS Cunningham, with the right promoters behind them, pushing them, because almost every promoter except for, or, or except for PBC, almost every promoter that I've been with before I got with Al Heyman and the PBC, they've used me. You know, they, they didn't care about me. They didn't promote me properly. USS Cunningham, a, new, a United States military veteran. I should be a household name. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it ain't like I can't fight. I, you, know, ain't, you know, I've done some great things, you know, in boxing, some decent historical things in boxing. So USS Cunningham should be a household name, especially coming off of the 9-11 era and, and, and being with Don King and this and that. So, um... I feel there's a lot that I didn't get that my boys can get, you know, or, or are going to get. So I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm living through them. I, like I said, I feel, I feel that I'm, uh, I've got something to prove through their success. Now, if they, if they want to, if they want to be like, Oh, pop, I don't even want to box no more. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? Because that's why like you said, that's why I told my oldest, I asked him, I said, do you want to continue? You know, I gave him the option because I know this ain't for everybody. Right. This is not for everybody. I know a lot of fighters' sons who couldn't hack it. So, I'm, you know what I mean? So I'm like, hey, I'm, looking, I'm checking my sons a lot, you know, or have been like, yo, you good? You all right? You know, we don't got to take this fight or we don't have to go to this tournament. Eh, they game. So I know they got that me in them in that area. Now it's just their skill level is so much higher than mine that their age is unbelievable. So uh, it's just a matter of time, you know. But as a father, I don't, in that relationship, like it's kind of, you said it already, I kind of let them, I kind of give them their space in so many areas, okay. you know, in boxing to, for them to be them. You also have Mosiah, right? Yep, he's sitting I, right next to me. <laughs> How old is he? He he just turned three last week. Okay, so he's not boxing yet. <laughs> oh yeah, he's hitting the bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a minute, he I did see him. I did. I, did I saw the video <laughs> on on Twitter the other day. I did see that. Right. Yeah. So he hits the bag on his terms. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it's all good. You know, they they all did that. Hit hit the round. Hit the bag for about forty seconds, and he's ripping his gloves off. So yeah. Like, all right, champ. How about your daughter? I, I I'm you know you know I know you've talked a lot about her over the years. How's she doing? She's doing great, man. She's good. She she works out with our youth youth class here and there. <clears throat> um, we have like a kids class, basically <clears throat> kids from like six to seventeen. <clears throat> they come to the gym and they uh we work them out for about an hour. So she's with them. You know, she's getting a lot of. We have a few girls there that she bonds with. And, you know, it's, she's doing awesome. And and uh, it's Kennedy, right? Yep. And how old is she? She's fourteen. Okay. Can you, would you mind talking just a little bit about her journey? And I know a lot of boxing fans know, but just to give a little background on, on kind of the road she's taking. Oh yeah. The, uh, she was born with the, um, underdeveloped left side of her heart. Um, 
three surgeries were it was going to take to uh fix it to have her you know functioning normal on on a normal level uh she got the first surgery two days old second mm-hmm. surgery within 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 six months seven months and the third surgery was supposed to be the last one um later on years later um about about the time when she was seven or eight to kind of you know set her off on a quote unquote normal as can be life um but at age seven the um the doctors at the children's hospital in Philadelphia told us take her home, make her comfortable. Hmm. So from there, we had a discussion with them. Hey, we're going to get a second opinion. Pittsburgh was the first children's hospital we came to for a second opinion. And the doc was like, man, I don't, I don't see the issue that they had. <laughs> we will do it. And they did it. And, uh, and when you say they did it, they did. What, what did they, what was the, the oh, I'm sorry. They, yeah, I, I skipped that part. So no, from the okay. surgery, from the surgeries, um, they said her heart was so deteriorated that she needed a heart transplant. And okay. the Philadelphia Children's Hospital was like, hey, we don't feel comfortable opening her up. We don't think it'll be a successful thing. We think she's going to pass. So she's only got a limited time now. Anyway. And the doc told us, because uh, we're like, we're getting a second opinion. And he's like, I think it'd be irresponsible for any doctor to open her up. And we're like, wow. You know, talk about closing a damn door in your face. And these yeah, are people, yeah. this is why, this is why I'm a conspiracy theorist to the freaking heart. <laughs> because, because the people you trust, these people you trust and you believe there were. Now imagine if these were doc, if these doctors were talking to people that didn't have faith, like me and my wife does, you know, that didn't believe in, oh, there's gotta be a freaking way. Yeah. But the dude in in physical form on earth with all the degrees, with all the time in, the surgeon, the head doctor tells you it's not, he don't think it would be smart for any doctor to open her up. You know how many people that were shut down and they'd yeah. just be like, okay, baby, come on home. Get the funeral rings ready. That wasn't us. So I'm like, F him. <laughs> F that doctor. We're going to get a second opinion until she out of breath or we out of breath. And that was right and, away. Uh, you guys, you guys came to that conclusion, right? Yep. There. The first, the first one, man. The first, first hospital, and the doctor's like, "Hey, we don't see, we don't see the problems he he sees." And they did the, they did the heart transplant, 2014 December, and boom, she's been growing and thriving ever since. So that helped my conspiracy theory, or now I won't say conspiracy theory, just my don't trust the guy. You know what I'm saying, or the person or the entity that is that supposedly knows. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think like, there's, there's value. There's value in healthy skepticism. Exactly, exactly, exactly. There we go. That's perfect. <laughs> and that's where we'll leave it for now. That's part one of our conversation with Steve USS Cunningham. Turns out Steve and I are both talkers, so we're going to break this sucker up and give you a. Two for the price of one podcast. Won't make you wait long for part two. Just keep an eye out on Twitter, Facebook at at Ringtones Pod. We'll give you updates and let you know when that next one's coming. Um, you also get those links that I talked about earlier uh, from my conversation with Steve from a few years back. It's all good stuff. There's a lot there. Yes. Um, it's all worth it. Check it out. Thanks, as always, for listening to Ringtones. Until next time.